Hi, and welcome to episode 60 of Talking with Painters, where Australian painters talk about their lives and art. I'm Maria Stolger, and my guest today is Justin Williams. Over the last six years, Justin has not only been exhibiting all over Australia, but in Europe and the States, having his work being seen in LA, New York, Paris, Copenhagen, Stockholm, Athens and London. In fact, as I'm recording this, his solo show at Galerie L'Enlassable in Paris is in full swing and he has an LA solo show in the pipeline. He depicts the world outside the mainstream, usually set in nature or a seemingly imaginary or folkloric world. He paints the outsider and he feels we are all that outsider to some extent. His current show, Arcana 2, depicts scenarios inspired from a tarot card reading by a Parisian clairvoyant, mysterious with just a hint of foreboding. Powerful colour combinations and brushwork make you want to linger and I found his work absolutely engaging. I caught up with him in Sydney in a period of uncharacteristic stability in his life and it was a lot of fun spending time talking about how he got where he is. All the works we talk about are on the website talkingwithpainters.com. Justin grew up in the Dandenong Ranges about 45 minutes out of Melbourne and we start this conversation there when he was a child. It wasn't even that big of a property, but it backed onto like national forests and stuff like that. So we could always like, you know, make tree houses and all that kind of thing. So it was it was an awesome area to grow up because mm. like, I mean, I wasn't that good at sports or anything like that. So I kind of spent a lot of time on my own, just like wandering around. Were you sort of drawing a lot? And yeah, that sort of thing? like all the time. Like kind of, I feel like it was a thing where I was just sort of shit at everything else. So it was like. Um, People would want you to draw them like the cooler kids or whatever. If it was like a rainy day lunchtime, I remember that like rainy day lunchtime where you couldn't like play outside and then people like I would draw people and then like you get attention and from that it was like yeah, like, the cool you, kid that could draw. Well, I don't think I was a cool kid. I could just draw. So like, <laughs> and I wasn't even that good. It was just like pretty small town. So you know, like yeah. there was you had to be something. You're either like the jock, the surfer, or the like joke person. So. <laughs> became the person that could draw. I started playing in a lot of bands and things like that, so we'd make cover art and like all this sort of stuff. And then, because um, I didn't even understand what an artist was. Like, I mean, you, you, in the same way that you'd understand what a rock star is, it's like the most ridiculous thing you'd want to try to achieve to do. Like, so, and I'm from like a pretty working class sort of background. So it was like, get like a trade or some, something. Like you don't just go and, do pointless shit basically so so your parents didn't sort of encourage you to they were always like supportive but they weren't very like they're they're like typical parents where they're kind of supportive if it's going good and when it was going bad they're like what the fuck are you doing with your life kind of thing so like I mean they love it now and they're fine but there was definite times where and it was justified like you know like you kind of like my brothers and sisters are all kind of like doing their thing and then I'm just like this like I'll get my shit together one day after you finished high school, you yeah. went to, um, you did a sort of graphic design. Sort yeah, of yeah. Course. So that goes back to like what I was saying, where you kind of get like a job. I didn't really understand what an artist was, even up until that point. I mean, yeah. I like, I was terrible in high school. Like, I got kicked out of one school and then, like, I was not a good kid. Like, no, I just 
felt oh, like you I mean had, you got? Were you bored? Yeah, I just felt like I had better things to do than like, <laughs> and then also like living on the coast. Like there was a lot of just wagging and going surfing, and yeah. How I, did that affect you having to go to change schools and stuff? I was fine. Like it was because I had an older brother who like was already finished school and stuff. So I, I'd um more or less hang out with those guys and then playing in the band we were sort of touring a bit. So what did you do after you finished your degree? So I... And what was the degree like? Yeah, it was good. I think that was really good for me because I'm glad I didn't do like a fine arts degree or something like that. And, and I was more interested in illustration. So like I went and worked for a few design companies after that and then worked with um, Vice magazine doing illustrations when it was before the documentaries and... VBS TV, all that sort of stuff. It was cool because it actually opened my eyes up to like subculture type stories about like um, hermits or like bands that would like not use guitars and like like kind of odd things. And then mm. I was forced to kind of make these images and like I was always yeah. interested in like you know um, like where I grew up and these kind of things that I'd constantly be doing. So it, it sort of fed that a little bit, which was cool. You mean, because you've, you've talked about, you know, the outsider, like yeah. feeling like an outsider. Yeah. Um, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. It's people who, yeah. who just what, are living on the fringes sort of. I guess, or, yeah. But, like, it can be, and it can be more, more mainstream than, like, someone that's, like, I don't know, in a cult or dressed up like a wizard or whatever it is. Like, it doesn't have, they're, like, the kind of um, archetype of that. So mm. they're, like, you take it to the most extreme sort of thing so it makes more sense when you're... Plus, they're cool to paint, those sort of people. But it can be just like you or me, you know, like, or yeah. um, just... Feeling just, like you don't belong, basically. Yeah, but being comfortable in that. You said that you you sort of looked into your own sort of things that you were interested in art history. Yeah. Was that just from books and Yeah, like just that? books, going to libraries, looking at images. I always likened it to music where you, you listen to a certain sort of music when you're like 16 to 18, 20 or whatever, and then there's stuff that you listen to... Like now, you'd be like, I fucking would never listen to this stuff. It's so like, so that's the same as your artistic tastes, I think. So the more that you learn, the more you mm. like understand. And mm. what like, were you looking at when you started? Everything the- like, I guess, on the fringes of like graphic type work, where it was borderlining between commercial illustration and then and then that sort of like moved into fine art. You go from painters that are, are like. Warhol or like just very like normal not obviously he's not fucking normal he's about as weird as you get but like you know like the the ones that you yeah. should know that yeah. that sort yeah. of thing and then you start digging deeper into like German expressionism and things like that and then you find things within those artists or like within their work because the more you make paintings the more you start to like de- deconstruct their paintings and understand like that they were just people probably quite smart or weird or whatever but they you all go through the same I think if you if you're actually challenging within your work, you go through the same stuff, and then and then going to like New York and seeing like Picasso paintings that like I've seen in books, you can see where maybe there's some charcoal behind where he's painted out the side of the the head and and the white backgrounds become sort of muddy, so you know that he's made a few different decisions mm. within that, and you're like these mm. guys are just they're just guys, they're just like yeah. men or women that are making decisions within work, and then you feel good because you kind of just think. Sometimes, like, the myth of that whole thing is, like, a painting like that is just bang, like, I've mm. just created this thing. And, and that he knew from the beginning yeah, so that he was like, going to end up with that, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. you kind of, it takes, it makes you feel better, like, yeah. 
Um, yeah, definitely. And so also, you probably see when you're doing your work, you can see a bit of that in your own work. Yeah, and then you, you're okay with that too. Yeah. And then you start to do, make decisions based on like things that other painters would like to see, you know, like edges of canvases where you can sort of deconstruct layering of paint where it sort of drips down or like things that you could paint back to being kind of perfect you leave because it's like it does add something not necessarily for a buyer or a gallerist but like someone that like myself that mm. would want to look at that like I kind Another of painter probably yeah, um, yeah that's I like that side of it probably why I don't sell that much work because I feel like I make paintings for painters and not <laughs> people to put in their houses you know so oh um, they, they are, we're surrounded <laughs> by them at the moment which we're going to talk about later and they're just absolutely stunning works um well when it's interesting actually that you had that graphic design background because I was looking at your early shows yeah. and they were definitely more sort of graphic yeah, yeah. sort of and much um more detailed yeah work. they were very kind of decorative um, very yeah. over the top and I used to be like oh cringy about all that sort of like earlier work but I kind of like it now because like mm -hmm. the themes are still there that I follow and like I think you know I wanted to learn how to do more like realism style work mixed with decorative and um and I think that's the good thing about Australia is you can you can work through your practice maybe not so much now with how many like you make something and younger artists will put it out there straight away for everyone to see but um you have that isolation in Australia where you can like work through things, you know, without the rest of the world kind of looking at what you're doing. And um, you mean if you've got a name here in Australia, it really doesn't matter one bit. Like you kind of think it does, <laughs> and like I don't think I've even got a name here in Australia. But I think the best thing for me was that Australians really didn't like my work, so that kind of was like. Why do you say that? I don't know, people, like, gallerists would show it, but it wasn't like they'd kind of... They'd show it in a way that they'd, like, get another artist that would make safer versions of perhaps my work or, or some other work, but they'd put me in with them so it looks legit, like they'd taken a risk, but they wouldn't really um, sort of have the same, like, excitement about the work. And, and, and I just, it just felt very clicky and very kind of, like, um, I don't know, just not enthusiastic. I've heard you say that uh, that Europe seems to get your work. So when you're over there, because you've had stints where you work over there. So yeah, like in yeah, Athens, yeah. you worked in Paris, you worked yeah. for a period of time. Do you then sort of reflect on your life here yeah, way in a more. different way? Definitely. Like when, I'm, when I was in the den, you know, I was making paintings. They didn't look like where I was making the work or anything. It was very different. But when I was in New York, like the paintings I made for that show were all... It was all like it's easy to reflect, like your memories are way more vivid or something. I don't mm. know. Being away from it, it's nice. So. Yeah. Well, actually, let's talk about the Dandenongs because I think that's a really important part of your um, sort of development as an artist because you lived there for, I think, was it six years? Yeah, yeah. How so. did that happen? Like, how did you end up there? I mean, you, I know you spent some of your childhood yeah. there, but how did you end up going back? So I moved to an island after like. Travelled around Australia for a bit out of school and all that sort of stuff and then moved to Phillip Island and worked on like fishing boats and things like that. But it was really scary doing that. I kind of got sick of, yeah, I didn't want to be a fisherman. <laughs> <It was, laughs> oh, so at that point there was no, there was a plan no, actually, that no. you weren't going to go to like, uni or anything? Yeah, I mean I got in and stuff but then like because I was saying like my brother and the guys were a bit older so they were all like, let's do up this old car and just like take a couple of years and just travel the coast so that was kind of my life for like two oh. years or whatever and then right. came back and was like 
some of our other friends worked on fishing boats through Bass Strait, so I was like, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. But what was that like? I'm definitely not hard enough to kind of do that sort of shit. <laughs> it's just really like... <laughs> it's really heavy work. Not heavy, it's just like you think you're going to die all the time. If a big storm comes in and you're like, you got to get up at like oh. three in the morning and there's lights and you're like, you know, it's just because it was like shark fishing as well. So it was, uh, yeah, it was just... Right. But yeah, we got caught in one big storm and like couldn't make it. We made it back to these, because um, you got to get back through these headlands so that the storm's kind of like the swell doesn't get in through where you are. And oh, yeah. So you go out for a couple of weeks at a time and you don't actually know when you're going to come back because you're like... If they don't catch anything, then you're out for a bit longer. Ah, right. Yeah. What an experience. Yeah, it was cool. Like, I, mean, you, 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 I remember vividly, like, some of the very, like, just, you know, waking up and there's, like, nothing, you know. It's, like, this flat, glassy sea. There's, like, maybe the sky and the storm's, like, really far out, but you, it's not – it just it just looks amazing. Like, you feel like you, you're living, you're, like, you feel alive. At, yes. Yeah, so that was kind of a couple of years of – my life doing that mm. and then went back to school and then kind of decided to move back to the Danongs with my ex-partner and then and that was it was good like but um so I we had this like little sort of cabin type thing and I'd work upstairs and things were kind of going like okay like I could make enough painting like paintings was sort of moving but very up and down so at that point your work had had really loosened up. Yeah. Like, I mean, so yeah. it became, because we were talking before about the, that more graphic yeah. style, but now at this point it's sort of like much more expressive with figures and animals, which you also, you always had from the beginning yeah. really, didn't you? Yeah. And also more, what, another thing I noticed was much more complex backgrounds as well. Was that a result of seeing, like sort of looking into Picasso and Matisse yeah. and all that sort of thing? Yeah, feeling more okay with like... You know, because, like, I was more, like, I would draw a lot. So I thought paintings were constructed in the same way as a drawing was. Like, even if they weren't planned, they were planned. And then I think the more I learnt and saw paintings, the more I kind of figured out that you need to work with chance and accidents and then skill and, like, things just need to kind of line up in a way that you feel okay with it. And sometimes it's, like, totally overcooking a painting and then bringing it back to how it was a month before. That used to freak me out a lot, but then now, then then it became like a, a like a really nice feeling where. Um, you mean it freaked you out because you felt like it was sort of you're losing the painting. Yeah, yeah, but then it became this nice thing of like you can keep working it and unworking it until it has that feeling, and it was nice rather than it being this immediate pass or fail type of experience. So, mm. and and this guy when I was in Brooklyn two years ago, this. Um, Iowata Watts, he's like, he was Jean-Michel Basquiat's studio assistant and he had this amazing studio just on um, Meserol Street, which was just kind of near the, my gallery in Brooklyn and he would like sit out the front and like he knew the gallery and would chat and I was like, I really want to get to know this dude. He's like, you know, in his like 50s or 60s, like this coolest like how like um, guy that's like been through that whole factory scene and you know like he he's been there and he'd sort of sit out the front and have coffee because he had this coffee machine and he like didn't let me into his studio for I don't know I think it was like two months maybe like but we'd have a coffee and just kind of talk and eventually got let in and you could see these like photos of like Basquiat and like oh. um you know his paintings are amazing and he's still doing really well he's working and like wow he's like been there and he's come through all that sort of stuff and and he said something to me where he's like 
because I was like, oh, can you come to the, come look at this show? Like, because you wouldn't even come to the checkout by solo. She was like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> After um, two months of coffee. Yeah, yeah, I know. And then he's like, oh, the work, he's like, I'll look at it, but I just want to, like, the work you're making now, he's like, I just don't care. And I'm like, what, is it not that good or whatever? He's like, no, it's not that. It's just like, what you're making now, you need to understand you're not going to be making that same work in 10 years. And if you are, you shouldn't be making that same work. So be happy with what you've done, let it out, let, let people, you know, do the best that you can kind of thing, but accept that there's, there's a process that you'll, if you want to sustain your practice, that release it and let it go. So it's like you shouldn't care what it is or isn't at the moment. Mm. And that was so freeing because it's kind of like this is what I'm doing and I'll, I'll move, like I'll move again mm. and I'll keep moving. And yeah. also I suppose it takes away the fear of changing and worrying, oh, what are people going to say because they're yeah. not getting more of the same. Yeah, yeah. And I think I've been like just not popular enough to care about like, <laughs> oh, no, I'm going to lose the two collectors that collect my work. You know, like it's kind of like, well, fuck it if I want to paint a like a whole series of donkeys that's what I'm going to really do because yeah. it's like yeah. I think going overseas having Australia not really care that that whole kind of thing was very much like what made me not do it in a gutsy way because I'm quite a coward like doing it in a way that no one cares I just wanted to talk about you building your own cabin I just oh. want to talk about that because I found that amazing <laughs> So I lived in a caravan for a little bit and like I just didn't want to rent somewhere. I was like kind of like broken and burnt out from everything too, I think, in a way. So the, so the caravan that I was living in, the guy wanted to sell it. So I was like, oh, fuck, well, there goes that. Because like the studio was down the road from there and I didn't want to live oh, in the studio. yeah, anyway. right. So you had to find somewhere else to live. Yeah. So then I decided like I'd just like build something, like just see how I can, if I can do it. So I'd like chop down like... <laughs> four trees and then like I'd just be looking on YouTube for like primitive technology or like something like you know all this kind of stuff so yeah I'd, I cut like cut down these straight trees and then dug these big holes it was cool it was like you learn like I learned a lot about myself and like about um you can do whatever you kind of want like we're mm. very lucky that we can just like be able to do that so yeah like build your own shelter yeah so I'm going to take you back. I'm going to take you back because um, I'll tell you what I really enjoyed seeing, and this is like ta going back a few years. And and this is something that you do, you still do, is is is, is um, watercolors. Yeah, yeah. Back in 2012, you did a great series called um, uh, the Attachments Project. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was like 150 watercolor yeah. faces, basically. And didn't you make it into a book? I think. Yeah, yeah, I made a book. Yeah, yeah, that was incredible, and it was very um, like it was like sort of these ghostly figures, like mainly faces, sometimes shoulders and heads, but like a great combination of soft edges where it's bleeding into each other yeah. and sharp edges. Yeah. Is, is watercolour something that you're, you're often drawn back to? Yeah, always. The bigger paintings might take so long to kind of construct. And I, I think when I first started doing the watercolours, I was still working on very, like, decorative, labour-intensive works. And then I'd be like, I'd just start doing these watercolours because it'd be nice to have something at the end of a day that was like, you'd have a couple of images. And then that's when I got more. I was like, these are actually better than this other shit that I'm doing. So then I kind of, like kept working on them oh, um, okay. and, it was and wasn't like, that about like wasn't it shot from memory you yeah, were painting so people what I was what I was doing like was I just kind of like bleed out the like pour pour out the water like two dots and then like start kind of moving the paint around let it dry maybe layer it up a little bit but 
then I started to notice the more I'd be constructing these faces, they'd trigger a memory of like, oh, that kind of looks like, I don't know, some random guy that you, you would have never thought about from like 15 years ago. And the attachments thing was where you, you have all these memories and like information within, like installed within you. And some, some of the like things that would come out were from people that you have all these hang-ups about that you really thought you'd let go, but you're like, why the fuck does this keep looking like that girl that never wanted to go out with me or like <laughs> whatever it was. But so the attachments were like these people would paint all these people and then you could kind of like release them out of your mind and like move on kind of thing. So mm. and then, then I Did it work? This, oh, probably still got a lot of issues, but yeah, I don't know. It was, it was, it was, it was sort of fun. Well, it is, it is good actually. Well, it's sort of like going to a psychologist, I suppose, and yeah. sort of talking about something. You're getting it out on the paper. Yeah, it's like the, what are those things called where they like, like it's like an ink print or oh yeah those like, blot things yeah yeah like i see oh, yeah. a knife what and a handgun and a baby and you're like whoa you're fucked like i don't want to deal with you anymore <laughs> like um so there's that sort of that that was like the premises of that show yeah 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 that's interesting so that's interesting that you with the watercolors you started off and then it develops into something does that happen in your work now like yeah more or less like i i really got interested in sort of just trusting in the work more so than like having, I mean, you have, like I'll use reference imagery and things like this and kind of have an idea of where I want it to go. But I used to try to like beat that into the, like it wasn't working, but sometimes I feel like the work is a bit smarter than what I am and it wants to like go somewhere. So you just got to like follow that. So I'll, I'll kind of like have a general idea of what I want and then it takes off from there and then you just make decisions. But I learned that definitely through making the watercolours because like I just didn't care about them and then I was like, well, I've learnt way more through painting watercolour than I have through making constructed based paintings. That's so interesting. Well, watercolour is harder to control, I suppose. Yeah, but it's also so lovely because it's just, I mean, you, you can paint, you can make watercolours in a way that you can the same way that you could do an oil painting or something keep keep at it and layer it but I found just doing these one hit sort of things that you have to do kind of bleeds through the whole thing and mm. then you think and the removal of of me within that work because it's kind of like that just dried that way that just happened so it's sort of almost I think that then led into ceramics too because it's like wabi-sabi t-ball making where it's like removal of ego and um the maker's kind of not that important and mm. like so well we haven't touched on ceramics yet so it's a huge part of your work as well you've always been doing ceramics yeah bowls figures yeah uh, and even today we're sitting right in front of a whole row of sort of relief sculptures that are fantastic so what is that wabi-sabi idea so that that like i started looking at um japanese tea bowl making ceremonies and things like that where They'll make like hundreds of these tea bowls, just like they'll get a huge slab of clay, throw it on the wheel, and they'll just like bring up one, cut it off, put it aside, bring up another one, cut it off. Um, and then they fire them all, and it's like, it, it was this kind of thing of me thinking of work in terms of, so if I have one painting that I have to make work for a show or whatever, if you have one canvas or one piece of paper, it's very important. So you, there's a lot of ego, there's a lot of like risk involved in it, but if you have, a lot on the go where you're kind of like not working between paintings but just you're removed from the painting and that was like allowed me to trust where the paintings want to go or where um stepping back from it and not mm. being so like and being comfortable in saying yeah that was like that that looks nice or that works 
good because I didn't sit there and try and do a hyper-realism face. It kind of just like poured out and, and then I put some things in here and there and the paint just kind of did that or whatever. So it's kind of working with mistakes and, and, um, and technique and trying to get them to balance together. Mm. You, you almost forget what you've made. So you might like come back into the studio and you're like, oh, th this one in this group of 12 paintings is kind of cool. And I'm okay to say that that one's cool because I don't really remember where it was going. Mm. That's different to this in terms of now I'm trying to just mix all different ways of working within within the practice itself. Like so. Mm. So what we're talking about when you say this, you mean the work the, we're yeah, looking at today, paintings the paintings for the show yeah. coming up. The, so the there's oil like paintings. elements of like decision making, accidents, kind of like going, seeing if I can make the painting look far too overcooked, and then. I don't know, being okay with that and just and, and just leaving sections or like over going way too far with things. Like so it's kind of everything coming coming into the more I've been working, the more I have these like sort of little bags of tricks I think they they must be that mm. I feel like I can just keep keep going. What's your approach to colour? I mean, do you have it? Is it just an instinctive approach? I'm or? actually like, without fishing for compliments, like I'm terrible at mixing colour and make, I'm, I'm bad with colour. <laughs> like I'm not, I've always like wanted to be a good colourist and all that sort of thing. And I think I've got better, but it's like, I usually just, it's direct on the canvas out of the tube. And then it's like, you know, paying over, over, over things until they have the colour that, perhaps plays off against another colour. It's, it's like okay. I'm not someone that can mix up and go, okay, that's like, you know. Oh, so you won't mix colours unless it's on the, you might yeah, mix on the canvas, on the canvas. but it's you won't mix it on the palette. I'll, like, I'll mix like a palette and, um, oh, really? yeah, yeah, I'm just, I'm terrible at it. It always just looks like <laughs> dirt or something, you know, like, and then I like to use dirty brushes and things like that because you get these tones that um, you, you that add like sort of elements to it. So say you wanted something pink, but like you've been using the green brush before and then just like leave a little bit of that green and it'll kind of like, I feel like it'll kind of help tone it somehow. Mm, which is, is something you get through experience, which you're probably underestimating that, that experience that you're around. Um, yeah, you but know. no, I know I'm like. I think the color's fantastic. I'm happy with them because I, mean, I think it's, it's like, one of the greatest things about your work. This and because it's not easy to, to, to get it to work like that. Yeah, it does. That's why, like, you have to, like, I have to kind of have that back and forth battle because it's like, so you can see in the background on this one, there's like this full-on pink color coming through, and then I've painted that light with these blue, like blue and a green kind of mm. over the top of that, and I don't think that color would have looked as cool if it didn't have that red behind it. That you, you yeah. know, you won't see that in photos, but no, for exactly. me, it's like. I like that now. So that, yeah, that yeah, yeah. kind of perhaps gives it like a warmth that like it wouldn't have had before. Definitely, definitely. But I wouldn't know how to mix that or make that. Yeah, so it's so, so basically layering is pretty important. Yeah, that's why I'm shit at acrylics. Like I, it's, they're too, it's almost like there's too many possibilities that it dries too quick and it can like this. Well, I and then can, you're expected to make a decision really quickly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, actually, can I ask you about the composition? Because um, I think that's another thing that works really well with your work. And actually, I, I, there's one painting from a couple of years ago called um, Apple Orchard Orgy. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that one? Yeah. It's a really great painting because it's like got three figures um, 
and um, like the central figure is like standing in the middle. Like yeah. it's about, it's a bit over two metres by a bit under two metres. Yeah. And so you've got the central figure standing straight in the middle and then there's a figure sort of reclining back, like doing a back bend sort of with his legs intertwined with the central figure. And then there's yeah. another figure on the left, the seated figure. And then you've got this fantastic you know, trees in the background, which just are sort of enveloping the figures. And then you've got in the foreground some sort of flowering sort of yeah. type plants. Yeah. Which all really work together really fantastically. So with the, that composition, is that something you would have drawn first or you would have... I kind of like, I remember um, like this figure here, the figure that's sort of like scissoring the dude. Yeah. Um, she, One towards the right. Yeah, yeah, I remember like taking a photo of myself to get into that position, but only after I'd done these other ones because I needed the, like I knew what I wanted to put in at that point. But the rest of it, I think, was very much just, it probably would have started with this this central figure and then kind of like, um, I, knew, I knew I wanted to paint. It's a weird one because it's like about this like apple orchard where there was these orgies that took place. It's actually a chestnut, chestnut, um, orchard out in the Danongs where apparently they saw these people having like an orgy to do with the family from um oh, the Anne Hamilton yeah Anne Hamilton Burns and all that sort of thing oh, but when family, I was making this yeah. painting I remember I was like I was sort of like ending one relationship and I liked this other girl as well at the same time and it was like I felt like this central figure looks so just like confused and like not really like you're both basically gonna fuck up to other people whatever you do sort of thing. So it was like, it was easier for me to title it about the cult type thing, but really it was kind of this like, this like decision-making within my own life. And then I left for New York after that anyway. So I just kind of like, it was, yes. Yeah. It got too hard. Yeah, so yeah. So you escaped. Yeah. But, well, that's really interesting that it yeah. has a personal um, yeah. story to it. But the other interesting thing about it is that I saw some progress shots on Instagram that you posted, yeah. which is really um, interesting because it's so interesting to see the development of the painting. And that figure that we're talking about, the reclining figure, was like a cobalt blue, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. And now it's like, it looks like a raw umber sort yeah. of colour. So you painted over that. Yeah. It, was that always intended that that nah, blue? it was just like, I think that just would have been a decision once like the, the background and foreground had like come into more. I was like, no, nah, I think this like is like that shocks off against the green or like it was just mm. try it and then see how it kind of works and then I also really like again you probably can't see it in photos but because you've seen that process photo when you look at the work there's like little bits where the the brown hasn't kind of covered fully yes. or like the edges don't overlap I was going to mention that actually so it gives it this like you know you can sort of see it in some of these ones I guess mm. in a way where where there's like an underpainting that kind of comes through yeah, um, exactly. So parts of that blue were just sort of peeking through the edges or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And it might just look like, like same with trees or things where it just looks like different shades of black, but it's like really they, they might have been bright pink at the start and then there's a cobalt over the top and like a, you know, dark. So that's what well, I like that direct painting where you just go, nah, it's oil paint so it takes a while to dry so I know that I've had enough time with it being purple it needs to be black now like you know or white or whatever so so this show that you've got coming up at Gallery La Salable I can't do it again yeah. no, Gallery La, La Salable 
Yeah, I think that's right. I don't know. Like, I just always kind of, like, avoid saying it because I can't. Like, when the Parisian dudes say it, it sounds beautiful. Like, you just want to kiss them. But, like, when I say it, I'm like, someone else, say it, please. I looked it up. It means tireless or indefatigable. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 tireless, I think that's yeah, what Yeah, which it sounds very romantic, actually. Yeah. So what is – so you've got this show coming up. It's on the 28th of November 2018. We're recording this in 2018. And it's like an amazing concept because this is the second part of this theme that you're um, creating work about. And it's, the first one was Arcana 1 and now it's Arcana 2. Yeah. And can you tell me a bit about where, what's the origin of it? Well, it was like, so, like, obviously I have, you know, I'm obsessed with outsiders and cults and all this sort of thing. So I've developed, like... And, and not all the work was sort of based around the Dandenongs, but because I've spent so much time away from there, and I'm not really, I felt kind of like, I, I, I want to take it somewhere else because, like, I love exploring that, but I'm not living there anymore, so I don't, mm. you know. And so, but, but these figures and people become so archetypal and so close to me, like Baba Desi the wizard or Anne Hamilton Burns from the family or, like, just the random weirdos that, like, are hoarders and things like this. So these people, like, find their way into the paintings even if I'm not, like, directly, you know, exploring one thing within a body of work. So mm. the first one was I went to Paris and then got a tarot reading with one of my friends, uh, the gallery director. He's one of his friends who I became really close with. He's like, oh, we'll go out to the 18th. There's this lady. She does these tarot readings. And it's all based on, like, the tarot Marcel and, like, He's like, What's oh, Tara Marcel? It's like a version, like the they were like it was. I think it was a card game, and they can't figure out the origin of whether it came across from Egypt or something. And then families that were well off would get their own kind of tarot's made for their family oh, crests okay. and things like this. And right, what was she like? She was full on like because so Bianchi's like <laughs> so you have to um you better be ready for like you know like she'll tell you like you're gonna get hit by a car or you're gonna like. <laughs> get cancer or like whatever so it's like she's not going to go you know you get every saturns and jupiters in motion and like you're going to find the love of your life it's not like that so which is this like window front where you you pay cash she like looks you up and down like knocks on the cards and then does his spread and then like it was all in french so i had no idea what the fuck i was saying so then he like translates to me and like um you can't record anything or anything like that and it only goes for like like 15 minutes or something so yeah. she's very much and like just I, I take it she didn't smile no like just a real <laughs> grumpy Parisian that's like I don't know doing her thing <laughs> like so yeah and then he's like we're walking back he's like oh whoa that was intense you really got he's what, like oh can you say what she said yeah well roughly like there's a lot of other little things here and there but she's like you've got these two paths that you can go on one of them you probably will die young like not make it out past like your 40s the other one will be like you you'll um like have abundance but like it'll be complicated or whatever and like you'll you'll live longer and all this sort of shit so mm. was the shorter one more fun the shorter one was kind of like <laughs> how i was living but i think the longer one was like there was i knew that there was things that i've been doing that was like needed to have have had a shelf life anyway so like you know i think it was like like a bit sort of becoming more involved in society in a way like really rather than just like kind of acting like I'm a recluse and living that kind of thing and when I'm not like I love like I love 
my friends and family and like and like going to different things but then I like to really like after it I'm kind of like so burnt out that I like want to get away and then I think like the ABC did this documentary thing and I met my partner through that Kate and I feel like the normality that's followed the living in a house and like all this sort of stuff and like (laughs) instead of what just you know just continuing on my kind of like you know like got a dog and I can eat tuna and fuck off everyone like I don't know you could see how it'd like you like throw money at certain things too like because if you you start getting more money for your paintings you'd start developing certain like things that you want to spend it on and like you could see how it just like becomes a real cliche and goes downhill so I think like um that's been really that might have been the other path that she was talking about which, right yeah so you think you've chosen the longer life path now? I think so, yeah. I think I'm like, so I'm, I'm, I'm happy about it, but I'm going to go That's back. Good. I'll let you know. Like, I'm going to go back because um, you, you're allowed to get one one a year or something. So I'm going to go back um, in a couple of weeks and see what she sort of says. Oh, all right, a follow-up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Oh, that'll be interesting to see if she's consistent. I know. Yeah, that's, that's the other thing. I just want to know, like, if she's like, no. Like, I don't remember you, or like, no, you're still going to die. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And so do you find having, like you're saying with your new partner, you've got a, more of a stable life. Do you find that helps your painting? Or? Yeah, I think so. Like, I'm, I mean, like, I was comfortable in myself before I, like, started something anyway. But, like, you don't, um, I don't know, like, you just kind of, like, there's different reasons now, like, behind it. It's almost like I can... I feel removed from the work but also like so involved in it but it's like I can shut off from it and like because you almost feel like you don't deserve a life in a weird way like as an artist it's like everything that I've done even getting in fucking weird situations you can be hanging out with the most fucked up people but you're kind of like well I know who I am like but you the longer it becomes this personal joke with no one else laughing you're starting to become those people it's like so uh, I, I think, so what you mean, you mean you're sort of living for your art in a way? Yeah. So you're living a lifestyle to feed your art? Yeah, like, and you kind of, like, you, you, you don't feel like, not that you don't deserve, like, I don't know, like, sometimes it's just like, oh, it's just nice to have, like, a comfortable, like, I can, I can not go overseas for so long and live off the smell of an oily rag. Like, I can go for a short amount of time and have an Airbnb. Like, just <laughs> things like adults do. Like, you know, like, that's... <laughs> Do you think um, it's deep down if you feel like you do the normal thing, then you're going to lose touch with your creative self? Nah, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, like, I'll let you know. I'll see. Like, if the paintings <laughs> all start to become paintings of dudes mowing the lawn in the suburbs, <laughs> like, <laughs> like at a family picnic. Yeah. Then, then. Well, I tell you what, from my personal opinion, if this is the work that comes out of being in a stable relationship, <laughs> keep being in a stable relationship. <laughs> Can you tell me, just lastly before we finish up, do you um, do you have a routine? Because a lot of my mm. listeners are interested in that sort of thing. Yeah, like I, I, I mean, I I did, and then it's sort of like become a little bit all over the place because I'm just adjusting to like having um, like a new studio and moving to Sydney and all that sort of stuff. But it, like back in lawn, I'd kind of um, like I'd wake up, go get a coffee go to the studio, like, just sort of set up what I was doing during the day, but, like, really do nothing, just look at some books and kind of, like, move some stuff around, and then I'd go check the surf, even if I was, like, I definitely knew that I wasn't going to go for a surf, because it was so (laughs) fucking cold, but I'd just look at it, and, like, in my mind, maybe, like, I'd go out, like, every now and again, but, like, pretty lazy like that, so I'd just sort of 
um, that became part of my routine. Yeah, yeah. Then, so to settle into the day. Yeah. So then, then I'd start really getting into making work at about um, probably 11, 30, 12 mm. o'clock and mm. sort of I'd usually just work till like 6, 7.30, like dinner time and then I'd go back. But then as deadlines get closer to shows, then you sort of start like it all gets blown out of the water. You might have to wake up early and then like, um, you know, like... Because there's like other logistical stuff too, like you have to emails and like photo, mm. like get work photographed and sending them overseas. Yeah, that's all that right. Stuff. So like, that's right. Routines have to just shift with all that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, actually, I did want to ask you, apart from that, with also what um, what you think of social media and how you use it. Like, I think you... it's like like, I mean, I struggle with it. Like in terms of like when Instagram first came, I was like, no, there's no way. Like I don't have Facebook. Like I've never like. I don't know I'm shit with phones and like I don't mind email like I can do that because you can think about things I'll hardly ever answer phone calls because like it freaks me out <laughs> but like um, for me it was just like another thing you know at the start but then now I feel like it's been really like an interesting like good and bad it's like changed mm. the way artists like you can I've, I've met some amazing friends through it and like it is a really good platform but at the same time I think you need to be like aware of that it, it um mixing that old sort of way of working like going to a city meeting like mm. the painters and the artists in that community kind mm. of like working it out that way do you have anything that you need to happen in the studio for you to be able to get in the flow of painting i like to like just like I guess when you there's all different stages so like if you're first starting a body of work or whatever or kind of like a lot of sketching and drawing and just like procrastinating and then kind of like force myself to get into it and then like music's probably a big part of that like with music I'll listen to different things at different stages like non-narrative kind of like instrumental stuff or like Neil Young or like like at different points or um you know just just feeling good like just something like just to play off that and then I love like audiobooks and podcasts and things like that so because it can really you get lost in like a like a podcast and you're um but only when I don't have to make decisions because I like then I'm I can't like I usually then go dead quiet and just really focus on like okay like what needs to kind of be done Mm. I can't really have that much noise at that point so Mm. it's yeah it's like a but the, that does help. Like, I need to have some sort of stimulus going on. And, yeah, it keeps yeah. you going, yeah. Well, Justin, I feel so lucky to be seeing these no, paintings. thanks. And it's going to be a brilliant show, I tell you what. Oh, I hope so. Oh. I think it'll come together nicely. Yeah. Everyone who's in Paris, who's listening to this, go and see it. <laughs> or in London. Or in, yeah, yeah, I've got a few friends coming over from London, which is cool. Oh, yeah, so that'll be, be fun. It'll be fun. I, lo- I love it over there. Like, I just, I really love Paris. It's I don't know, you pick up on that, like, energy of the past and, I don't know, I get to grow a moustache and feel, <laughs> wear a suit. Well, it is November after all. Oh, yeah, yeah. true, true. <laughs> well, thanks well, for coming. Yeah, and good luck with this show. Thank you, thanks. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Justin Williams. I've put on the website details of his current and upcoming shows and there are also links to things and people we talked about in this episode. I'm hoping to get a short video online too, so I'll keep you updated about that on social media. 
Also, if you're not already, you can listen to the show on your iPhone or Android by going to the website and clicking on the buttons under the feature photo. That way, whenever there's a new episode, it'll just automatically pop up on your podcast app. Or else just go straight to iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher. There are lots of podcast platforms and Talking With Painters should be on there. And, of course, you can also follow on my social media. I'm on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. That's a good way of keeping up with what exhibitions are coming up of past guests or who's coming up on the show. And you can also subscribe on YouTube as well. By the way, when I say um, subscribe on iTunes or on YouTube, it doesn't cost anything. Talking about the YouTube channel, I've just posted a video of an informal chat I had with Nick Stathopoulos in his kitchen. It's roughly two years after our conversation on the podcast and he shows me his sketchbooks of preliminary drawings of his portraits of Natasha Walsh and Deng Adut and we talk about all sorts of things that have been going on, including his recent stay with Yvette Coppersmith in Melbourne, who sounds like a lot of fun. Just Google Talking With Painters playlist or go to YouTube and search Nick's I've also put it on the website on Nick's page, which is episode seven. Thanks for listening, and I hope you can join me for the next episode of Talking with Painters. Yeah. So it's sort of, in a way, you don't want to become famous. No, right. It's like, and that's like, just like I think it's the nicest, like, yeah, most normal kind of part about art like painting is that you can choose whether you want to like how you want to be like you want to be an alter ego which means that you're probably going to have to burn out become famous and take heaps of drugs and die at a certain point and then who wants another one of them like fuck there's so many like of that like example like yeah it's great but like it just seems like a lot of effort so I just kind of want to be like a normal old dude if I make it out past that stage just <laughs> Moderately successful. Yeah, moderately successful. <laughs> I'm quite comfortable with mediocre. <laughs>